Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So back in 2018, an elderly French woman was selling her house when an appraiser asked her about a small painting, only about 8 to 10 inches big. It, it, it was hanging in her kitchen over her stove, just collecting dust and grease. She, she really didn't know much about this painting. She just knew that it had been hanging in her house for quite some time. She didn't remember when she got it or where she got it from, but... After further investigation by an art specialist, it was determined that this was one of only eight paintings from the 13th century depicting the crucifixion of Christ, uh, and it was by an Italian artist at that time. And up until this point, this particular painting, which was titled Christ Mocked, was believed to have been lost forever. But here it was hanging in her kitchen, and it eventually sold at auction for $26.8 million. Go look at the paintings hanging in your kitchen and see what you have, all right? So think about that for a moment. This woman had something so incredibly valuable in her care, and yet she didn't even realize it. So let me just pause right here and ask... Do we realize the value of what God has entrusted into our care? And I think this is a a question that's for us as individuals, but also for us as a church body. As we think about as individuals, as we look at our families, our community that we're in, as we we look at our jobs, our, our neighbors, as a church, as we look at our ministries, as we look at our mission, do we realize the value of what God has entrusted into our care? So we're in the middle of a series right now titled Faithful, and along with this series, I've offered a vision for us to grab hold of this year. Here's the vision, that we would be a faithful people in all things, at all times, until it's all over. And so as we're going through this series and as we grab hold of this vision, a good starting point for us as we, as we consider walking in faithfulness, as we strive to walk in faithfulness, a good starting point for us uh, as, as a church is to look at what we know God has already entrusted into our care. And as a church body, that's our mission. Now, if you're new with us, we have a a simple mission. Becky mentioned it a little while ago. It's to love, to grow, to serve, and to go. And and so these are four things that we have identified as a church through Scripture that we have said we believe this is what God has called us to. Now, if you go into the hallway just behind me, you'll see those four words framed and hanging in the hall. But understand that those pictures that are hanging there with those words, love, grow, serve, go, they're not meant to just hang there to collect dust. They're they're meant to serve as a reminder to us that as we see those words that we would remember the value uh, of this mission that God has entrusted into our care. So let me bring you back to that question. Do, Do we realize 
the value of what God has entrusted into our care. Now, if you remember, a couple of weeks ago when we launched this series, we looked at a parable in Matthew chapter 25 that Jesus told about a master that entrusted talents or valuable units of money. Right? We said that, that a talent, right? we think of talents as, as giftings many times, but, but at that time it was something extremely valuable. We could probably relate it to eggs right now, right? He entrusted all of these eggs into the care of, of his servants, right? And, and to the, the two servants that did something for the master with what had been entrusted into their care, the word that he used of those two servants was the word faithful. But of the servant that did nothing with the talent that was entrusted into his care, other than digging a hole and burying it in the ground, the word that was used of that servant was the word lazy. And so I've asked this question each week, what word could God use of us? As God examines our own hearts, our own attitudes, our own actions, as God examines our mission and ministries here at First Baptist Church, what word could God use of us? And may it be that we recognize the value of what God has entrusted into our care, that we wouldn't be lazy with it, but that we would be faithful, that we would be a faithful people in all things at all times until it's all over. So last week, we began looking at our mission here, and, and we looked at that call to love. Today, we're going to look at our call to grow. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11 today. Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. And as you're turning there, let me clarify what we mean by this call to grow. Specifically, we believe that, that we are called to grow in two ways here. We strive to grow in two ways. We want to grow in our relationships with one another, and we do that by gathering together to worship together. We do that in, in small groups uh, or Sunday school classes, growth groups, whatever you want to call those. We do that through fellowships. We want to grow together in our relationships with one another. But most importantly, we want to grow in our relationship with God. And we believe that one of the primary ways that we can grow in our relationship with God is through the faithful study of His Word. And so we're going to focus on the value of studying and growing God's Word in our passage today. Now, our passage this morning, it may be familiar to some of you. This is the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Now, Following the events of Jesus' birth in, in chapters 1 and 2, chapter 3 picks up with John the Baptist announcing Jesus' arrival onto the scene. Now, this is not his arrival in the manger like the, the angels announced to the shepherds. This time, he's announcing Jesus coming as the Messiah, kind of signaling the beginning of his earthly ministry, which is going to begin following this temptation in the wilderness. Now, between the time of Jesus' birth and, and, and this announcement of, of Jesus by John the Baptist, we really don't see much about Jesus' childhood. But we do see something important in Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, we see uh, Jesus as a young boy at age 12, and his parents accidentally leave him behind in Jerusalem. Now, unlike home alone... 
Mary didn't realize that she had left her son behind quite as quickly, right? And so uh, three days later, they return to Jerusalem and they find Jesus sitting in the temple, learning, listening and learning from the teachers there and asking questions. And of course, what was being taught and what was being read in the temple were the scriptures. Now, not the New Testament scriptures, right? That hadn't been written yet. But, but what Jesus was listening to and learning were the Old Testament scriptures. The law was being read. And so passages that we have in our Old Testament today. And so what we see is that even at a young age, Jesus had this desire to learn and to grow in God's word. So let me pause right here and say this. Our children are never too young to begin learning and growing in God's word. Our children are never too young to begin learning and growing in God's word. For years, beginning when Emily was in daycare, uh, at breakfast time, she and, I, she and I, we would sit at the breakfast table together and we would read a devotional together because I, I wanted her, even at a young age, to begin learning the value of studying and growing in God's Word. And, and so now that she's 14 years old, nearly 15 years old, this isn't something that we do together. Rather, this is something she gets up on her own and she studies God's Word on her own. Now, I don't say that to elevate Emily. I simply give that as a reminder that it's vitally important for us to, to teach our children to learn and value God's Word so that they know the importance of, of growing in God's word. Now, now doing the devotional at the breakfast table, something that I do with Ethan in the mornings. And my prayer is that one day as he gets older, that he'll take it upon himself to begin studying God's word on his own, to begin growing in God's word for himself. Our, our children are never too young to begin learning and growing in God's word. Now you might say, well, well what, what if I didn't do that with my kids when they were young? What if I didn't teach them that. Well, I would encourage you, if your kids are still at home, right, it's never too late. You can begin teaching them to learn and grow in God's Word today. So even at this young age, Jesus was learning and growing in God's Word. And then in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, we read, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. In other words, Jesus continued to grow. He continued to study God's word. He continued to learn the law. He continued to, to, to apply the law and to apply God's word to his life. He continued to study and grow in God's word. Now, one might ask, why did Jesus need to grow if he was God, right? Why did Jesus need to grow if he was God? Well, we've got to remember, he was fully God and fully man, this miraculous combination that, that's a little bit hard for us to understand, but because he, he was fully man, he had some, some earthly limitations. And one of the things that we can think about as an example of this earthly limitation is when his, his body was nailed to that cross, right? His earthly body died. He still experienced things that humans experience, and so Jesus, being fully God but also fully man, understood the importance and the value of him learning and growing in God's word in order to grow in that relationship with his 
father. And so he studied God's word from the time that he was a child and he grew in God's word into his adult years. Now all of this is important as we get ready to read our passage because what we're going to see in our passage is, is God's word at work. As Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, we're going to see that, that Jesus already has God's word, the law, written on his heart. And so we're going to understand the value for us learning and growing in God's word as we look at this passage. So with that in mind now, let's read our passage, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answered, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus told him, it's also written, do not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, go away, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and began to serve him. Now, as we look at this passage this morning, I want to begin by highlighting what we see there in verses 1 and 2. Following Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist in chapter 3, signaling that, that this is our response when we begin to follow Christ, that we need to also take that step of baptism we're told after he's baptized, we're told that the Spirit then leads Jesus into the wilderness. And this was going to be a time of fasting for Jesus, but also a time of testing as Jesus was tempted by Satan himself. And so there are a couple of things that I want to say here about this time of fasting and this time of testing. As we think about times of fasting, understand fasts are times of self-denial for the sake of spiritual growth. Faster times of self-denial for the sake of spiritual growth. Now, nowhere in Scripture do we see this, this command to fast in order for our salvation. Uh, this is not to produce salvation in our lives. Uh, if we were to try and fast for our salvation, that would be considered a physical work and, and, and an act of self-righteousness, which would never be enough to save us. But we do see that, that while we don't fast for for salvation, there is benefit for us in fasting because it's a time for us to, to grow, to be strengthened in His Spirit by the Lord. And so, so it's times for us to grow in our dependence upon the Lord as we deny our flesh. So fasts are times of self-denial for the sake of spiritual growth. Now, in Scripture, food is what we always see people fasting from, but, but I do think that there's a good argument to say that we could fast, for, uh, fast from some other things in this life. I know some pastors that will fast from, from uh, social media or they'll fast from, from TV, and they'll use that time that they, they might spend on their devices, right, because we give a lot of time to our devices, 
They'll use that time that they might spend on their devices to study God's Word and to grow in, in God's Word. And so as we think about Jesus' fast here in the wilderness, his purpose was to grow in his walk with his Father, to be strengthened because he was about to start his, his earthly ministry. And so as we think about Jesus fasting, I think we should take note of this because if, if the Son of God didn't rely on his flesh to live in this world and to walk in obedience to his Father, then certainly we shouldn't either, right? So let me pause right here and say this. As we think about our desire to walk in faithful obedience, understand faithful growth leads to faithful obedience, Faithful growth leads to faithful obedience. Uh, over the years, uh, as a minister, as a pastor, uh, when people come to me, if, if they come and tell me, look, I'm struggling to walk in obedience, one of the first places I will start is, are you studying God's Word? Are you growing in God's Word? And, and nine times out of ten, if they're honest, nine times out of ten, the answer is no. You see, the struggles, they come into our life when when we're not walking in obedience, or when we're not growing, we, we struggle to walk in obedience when we're not growing in God's Word. Faithful growth will lead to faithful obedience, but that doesn't prevent times of temptation, which is what we see happening here. And so as we think about this time of testing, this time of temptation that Jesus experienced in the wilderness, it, it provides us with a good reminder that Jesus understands us, Jesus understands us, and maybe you need to be reminded of that truth today, because the reality is, is that we do face temptations. We do go undergo testing by the enemy at times, and so we, we have to remember that we have a Lord that became one of us, that, that endured the same temptations that, that we endure he understands us. And I would make that more personal to say Jesus understands you. You may look at your own life and the temptations that you experience in your own life, and you may think to yourself, man, I can't share this with anybody. There's no one that understands me. So I want you to hear that again. Jesus understands you. And not only that, Jesus overcame these temptations. And so if you've given your life to Christ, then you have his spirit at work within you to give you the strength to overcome these temptations as well. Jesus understands you. But now as we continue to walk through this passage, I want to give you uh, two reasons why we should continue to grow in God's word. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. Right? There are many reasons why we should study and learn and grow in God's Word for the sake of growth in our relationship with Christ. But based on this passage, there are two reasons that I want to discuss why we should learn and grow in God's Word faithfully. The first reason is because our enemy will tempt us. Our enemy will tempt us. Let's read the first part of verse 3 again. It says, Then the tempter approached him and said... Our enemy will tempt us. And we see Jesus being tempted here, but we have to remember if, if Satan is bold enough to tempt even the Son of God, certainly he's bold enough to tempt you and me as well. And so I don't really think it's a matter of if we will be tempted. It's really a matter of when we will be tempted. 
If our desire is to grow in God's word, if our desire is to walk in, our, in obedience in, in our relationship with Christ, we can guarantee that Satan is going to come and tempt us. We will be tempted. Now, there are three significant moments that we see here leading up to Jesus being tempted. First, Jesus was tempted following his public testimony. This, of course, was his baptism, right? People had just witnessed Jesus being baptized, but not only that, the heavens open up, the, dove, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, and this voice from heaven was heard saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And so there's this public testimony here, and so I don't think it's any coincidence that, that this is when Satan comes to tempt Jesus, because Satan's desire was, was not only to get the Son of God to sin, but Satan's desire was to destroy this testimony. And I believe that, that that's Satan's desire in our lives as well, to destroy our testimony. So understand, when we take a stand for God in public, Satan will tempt us in private. When we take a stand for God in public, Satan will come and he will tempt us in private, because what happens in private, what happens in darkness will often come into the light. And Satan's desire is to destroy that testimony, right? If we are testifying to the Lord, his desire is to come and destroy that testimony in our lives. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't take a stand for, for God or for Christ in public. It simply means that we need to be on alert because the, the tempter will be coming. Second, Jesus was tempted following this time of spiritual growth. He had just spent this 40 days fasting and growing in his relationship with his father. And so here Satan comes up to, to, to try and destroy and to weaken Jesus where he had been strengthened. Third, Jesus was tempted when he was weak in his flesh. While he had been strengthened in his spirit, right, because he had been fasting for 40 days, he was weak in his flesh. Scripture says he was hungry. Nothing good happens when we're hungry, amen? All right. So let me pause right here and say this. Satan sees our physical weakness as his opportunity. Satan sees our physical weakness as his opportunity. And so he will come and he will tempt us when we're physically alone and when we're physically weak because his desire is, is once again to distract us from our call, to detour us from our path, and to destroy our testimony. He sees our physical weakness as his opportunity. And so as we recognize all of these moments that led up to, to, to Jesus being tempted, it, it shouldn't prevent us from taking a public stand for, for God or for Christ. It shouldn't prevent us from from being strengthened in our walk with Christ, from striving to grow in our walk with Christ, from denying our flesh at times to grow in the Spirit. It shouldn't prevent us from any of that, but it should cause us to be prepared for the times that the tempter will come. And so I want you to see how Jesus responded to these temptations because this is really the focus of our message. Jesus stood firm on God's word. Jesus stood firm on God's word. The, the scripture that, that Jesus began learning as a child, the scripture that Jesus continued to learn in, in to learn in, into his adult years, 
The same scripture that you and I have today is what Jesus used to stand against the enemy. I think this is important for us. You know, Jesus, he, he probably could have used some of his, his miraculous powers of, as God, but Jesus didn't use anything more than he has given to us to overcome the enemy. He used God's word. And so we can, we can rest assured that, that in his strength, and with, with the tool that he has given to us, the same tool that he used, we can use that same tool when we are tempted as well. So let me pause right here and say this. God's word is our best defense against the enemy. God's word is our best defense against the enemy. In these moments of tempt, the, these temptations, Jesus didn't try and philosophize. He didn't try and reason with Satan. He didn't base anything on his own feelings. Time and time again, as, as Satan came against Jesus with these temptations, Jesus responded, it is written. It is written because God's word is our best defense against the enemy. And so if we're going to stand on God's word... If we are going to use God's word, if we're going to have that in our tool belt, if we're going to have that in our heart, then what it means is that we have to be faithful to learn. We have to be faithful to study. We have to be faithful to grow in God's word today when we're not being tempted. And these times where temptation is not coming against us. Listen, if you're not growing in God's word today, if you're not hiding God's word in your heart today then when you're being tempted, you won't have God's word to stand on. And so if you want to stand on God's word in those times of temptation, you have to be faithful to study and grow in God's word today. So the first reason that we see that we need to grow in God's word is because our enemy will tempt us. The second and final reason is because our enemy will twist God's word. Our enemy will twist God's word. Let's read verse 6 again. This is Satan speaking. He says, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, He will give His angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Our enemy will twist God's word. Now, how Satan knows God's word, we're not told, but it's clear that he does know God's word. And, and here, what Satan is doing is he's quoting Psalms 91, verses 11 and 12. But Satan is cunning and manipulative, and so he leaves off an important part of this verse. He leaves off these words, to protect you in all your ways. Well, I believe that this is significant because it was not in Jesus' ways to test his father. It was not in Jesus' ways to manipulate his father. It was not in Jesus' ways to use his deity for earthly gain or for his benefit here on this earth. But, you know, understand, as we think about Satan twisting God's word, as we think about Satan challenging God's word, this is really nothing new. This is the same trick he, he's been using since the very beginning with Adam and Eve back in the garden in Genesis. He said, did God really say? He began to twist and, and challenge God's Word in order to tempt Adam and Eve. But I want you to be reminded that, that where Adam and Eve failed, Jesus succeeded. 
where Adam and Eve failed, Jesus succeeded, and it's because Jesus succeeded. It's because Jesus didn't give in to temptation. It's because Jesus stood on the authority of God's word that he is our perfect and blameless sacrifice. But our enemy will twist God's word, and, and you know, unfortunately, we still see this all the time in our world today. We see this in our culture today. Sometimes our, our world will, will take Scripture, even unbelievers, they may take Scripture and twist Scripture for their own benefit, or, or they may take Scripture and twist Scripture when they're trying to challenge us in our faith. But, you know, it's not just unbelievers that will twist Scripture. Sometimes that happens in the church as well. And we're tempted at times to twist Scripture so that we can justify our own sin. Or pastors may twist Scripture for their own personal gain or even to make God's Word more palatable for the world. Now, this is kind of a side note, but I would say our goal is not to make God's Word palatable. Our goal is to make God's Word known. Our goal is not to make God's word palatable. Our goal is to make God's word known because when we make God's word known and when we proclaim the truth of the gospel, God changes hearts and lives. Our goal is not to make God's word palatable. Our goal is to make God's word known. And so if we're going to have God's word, if we're going to know God's word, if we're going to stand on the truth of God's word, if we're going to recognize when, when Satan is twisting God's word, when the world is twisting God's word, or maybe even when pastors are twisting God's word, if we're going to recognize when the twisting of God's word is occurring, we have to be faithful to study and to know God's word now. We have to be faithful to study and to know God's word today. Now, I would say that the biggest challenge for us in, in studying and learning and growing in God's Word faithfully is a simple word, laziness. That's our challenge, laziness. Think about it. We devote all of this time to, to watching TV, to being on social media, and think about how little time we devote to studying God's Word. Now, I don't say that to, to make anyone feel guilty, I simply say it as a sobering reminder for both you and for me that when it comes to studying God's Word, when it comes to growing in God's Word so that we can grow in our relationship with the Father, we are called not to be lazy. We are called to be faithful. And may it be here at First Baptist Church, Stockdale, that from now and until the Lord returns, then when it comes to striving to, to grow in God's word, that the word that could be used of us would be that word faithful, that we would be a faithful people in all things at all times until it's all over. Now, if you've never given your life to Christ today, understand God's word is clear, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you've never made Jesus your Lord, if you've never made that confession standing on God's word for your salvation, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond this morning. So in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, this is going to be your opportunity to respond. And if you're here today and you would say, that's me, 
I've never made that confession that Jesus is my Lord. But today, recognizing that Jesus is our perfect and blameless sacrifice, that Jesus died, that he rose again, and that he is our only hope for salvation. Today, if you have heard that truth and you're ready to respond to God's word, then I would encourage you to come. I'm going to be standing right down front. I'd love to talk with you, pray with you, that today you might know Jesus as your Lord. Now, maybe you're here today and you would say, I, I've given my life to Christ, but if I'm honest, you know what? I, I've been lazy with God's Word. I have not been faithfully growing in God's Word. And maybe you need to just get that right with the Lord today. Maybe you need to confess that to the Lord today. Listen, you can do that right where you're at, but if you need someone to talk with you and pray with you, I'd be happy to do that. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ, but I've never taken that next step of baptism. And so you need to make that commitment today, just as Jesus was baptized, signaling that that's a call for us to follow him. If you need to take that step of baptism, then I'd love to talk with you as well. And maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I've been baptized by immersion already. And I know that God's calling me to, to join First Baptist Church Stockdale to make this my church home. If that's you, then I would love to talk with you as well. We can talk, we can pray, and today you can become a member of this church body. Well, whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, I would just encourage you, respond obediently during this time. Stand with me right now. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.